0: Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Cool Jazz Favorites. Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to Easy Listening Jazz Favorites. On K- Hi, this is Zach Galifianakis. You're listening to KUCI Irvine 88.9. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org.
1: KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Today I'm very excited to have librarian archivist, As a special guest today, it's Audra Eagle Yoon. Is that correct? I'm looking at your Twitter right now. Everybody can check it out at L-I-B-R-A-R-C-H-I-V-I-S-T, Audra. And congratulations on your new position here at UCI. You are now the UCI Library's Special Collections and Archive Archivist. Thank you. That is my dream job. Come up and visit. (sighs) I'll be there. You have limited hours but that's how archives are, correct? Yeah. You have to make sure everything's safe. That helps with um, keeping the collection alive. So tell us how did you get to where you are now? So what did you do for undergrad and grad and where and why? Well
0: thanks for having me. It's really interesting experience. I'm from Florida, but I went to college at Duke University in North Carolina. I majored in literature and critical theory, so I was really interested in identity and race and gender and sexuality, and at Duke they had this certificate program called Information Science and Information Studies, and I only got introduced to it because I was uh, working as a student assistant at the library on campus and I started asking the people I worked with how do you become a librarian and one of my advisors told me you have to go to grad school and they have this program that is information science maybe it will be interesting to you and so I worked all four years of college in the undergraduate libraries. I worked at you know in the circulation desk checking out books in and out and You said that was at Duke? Yeah they have a couple of libraries and this was on the freshman campus so I was helping other oh. freshmen and you know just doing typical student worker stuff you know and you said that was north carolina mhm okay and i did a little couple other jobs in different libraries on campus but i really enjoyed being in a place where in a space where people were learning and people came there to to gain more knowledge it's a very open place for learning and you know it kind of attracted me to public libraries too but I really enjoyed it and applied for a junior fellows uh, program it's a summer internship they still have it at the Library of Congress and got matched with the prints and photographs division and I was working with stereographs which are these cards that have two almost replica photos on them and you look at it through this little uh, Stereoscope, and it puts it so that when your eyes are crossed a certain way, it looks 3D. It's kind of like those little—what um, do you call those things we have when we were kids? Oh, yeah. Uh, when you Not
1: kaleidoscopes, but
0: the Kodak, like. Yeah, it. you push the button and it looks 3D, and you look at it to the light. It's uh, holograph or no, like. Yeah. Hologram. Something thing. like that, and also with um, the Library of Congress received. Primarily in the past, they r- would get copyright submission photographs so people would get copyright for their photographs and they would have to send two copies. And one of the cool things, I didn't think I wanted to be an archivist then. I didn't really like, actually, I wasn't sure I liked it because we were in the back. I didn't see how what I was doing sorting these photographs was going to help people. And then we found some early baseball cards from the 1900s, some of the earliest baseball cards with some very early players. And then we found this really cool copyright submission photograph. I don't know if you've ever seen this photograph uh, that Salvador Dali did of uh, the cats flying and there's water flying and he's jumping. And the photograph he submitted for copyright is the uncropped version. So you can see people's hands throwing the cats and holding water hoses. And it kind of, for some reason, that stuck in my mind as as a reason why archives are important. I started to see why, what mattered. So, um... I decided after that summer that I was going to apply for library school, which I found out you have to go to library school to get a, and get a master's degree to be a professional librarian, and I just applied to a d- bunch of different schools and decided, hey, I want to live in L.A., I want to go to UCLA. And you were in e- the East Coast for your whole life, basically, and yeah. then your
1: whole undergrad. Yeah. So, wow, that's a big change. Who <laughs> yeah. was it? I don't know, do you have a southern feel in North Carolina?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. North, and being from North Florida, it's a different situation. It's a lot like um, it's a lot like the Deep South in North Florida. It's very rural and like swamp land. I'm from a town with one stoplight and wow. just two thousand people. So Durham, North Carolina, was a big city. I had never taken a bus. I had not seen. I'd not been inside like big buildings, and you know, I'd seen them. But, um, yeah, it was a big change. And then coming to L.A. was a huge shock. We lived, like I was telling you before, we lived a little bit farther away from campus. But library school is very interesting because I thought, like a lot of people think, when they find out you have to get a master's degree, it's kind of, you know, some people stereotype it, or they're kind of surprised that you need a master's degree. So then I started going thinking, well, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to blow through this and become a librarian. I realized pretty quickly that there's a lot of theory behind information work. And I think that's why librarians take so much pride in their work, and archivists too, because there are things that help us understand why information is so valuable. It's power. And to have it to be a a caretaker of that information to help people have access to it is a really powerful thing and even today, that's why I'm so interested in your show uh-huh. because even today with all the access we have to electronic information there's so much we still can't see and that's what the librarian's job is and the archivist's job is to help you with historic information or yeah, historical information and records in electronic or analog format that document people's lives or organizations
1: yeah, hopefully people are getting the word out. That's what I'm trying to do with this um, radio show, just because maybe you come across it once in your undergrad career, the librarian at your academic library. But if you don't go to school, you just know your public library, that's great too, but do you know all the resources available to you? Like mm-hmm. I think some some people do and some people don't.
0: Yeah, it's a wealth of information. And, you know, I'm I, as an archivist, there's so many things that I'm proud of. And... They're really exciting to me. Like when I started at UCLA, the first job I got because of my work at the Library of Congress was working on the Los Angeles Times photograph digitization project. Wow. And so they had the entire, what they call the photo morgue that belonged to the LA Times. And what the project's goal was, was to select photographs representing the people and culture of Los Angeles from the 20s to the 80s. Instead of, you know, oh, a celebrity came, it's like, what were people doing in the summer of 1970, like outside and inside, and what, what was important to them. And so I got to be part of that, and that was really fun. So it helped you learn about L.A. fast. <laughs> it did, it really did. And uh, you learn about the different neighborhoods and how they've changed. East L.A., Silver Lake, Echo yeah. Park. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then I got my first opportunity to do archival processing and it's um, I like to explain to people that I do preservation, organization of people's stuff. And it in essence is that, but you really get to know a person or organization and your job as an archivist is to try to keep things consistent with the way the creator made them, the way that they may have wanted them to be found, but also try to describe, in the, describe them in a way so that researchers can find them later. And the first collection I processed was the papers of a, a man named Jules Langsner. He was an art critic in LA. He was one of the big uh, people who was a force behind LACMA getting founded, and he also coined the phrase hard-edge painting as a form of uh, abstract expressionism. Expressionism, And it was really neat. I started realizing why I really liked it, because you get to know someone, mm-hmm. and then you feel like, oh, I have to share this. I have to figure out a way that people can find it. So that kind of gave me the bug. I realized like I wasn't going to be a reference librarian and just on a desk. I really wanted to help people get access to these things that are basically hidden collections mm-hmm. and the special things, and that's what this whole idea of special collections comes from.
1: Yeah, so you have know, my dream job, because I'm getting a certificate of a special collections archive, and I would love to be an archivist at an uh, academic university. Where's that collection? You said the first one you processed, where's that held now?
0: It's at UCLA, yeah. Oh, nice. And I worked on a couple other collections after that. There was this one that was um, about American Orientalism, so there's this guy who actually over his lifetime collected records and cigarettes and cartons and like weird ephemeral things that he thought represented the way Americans viewed the Middle East. And so it's just really powerful stuff. Um, I also got to do an internship with the Walt Disney Company oh, cool. in their consumer products division, which as a... What city was that? That was in Glendale. Okay. Um, and there's also internships at the main corporate archives in Burbank. So Disney, the Walt Disney Company, every company actually, every corporation has archives. Yeah. And so, if you're out there and you're interested in history, and maybe you don't, you're not very interested in university history or, you know, the special collections that an academic institution might have. Every major corporation has archives that are records. So just the formal institutional things that they're creating over time, but also. If you're working with a creative corporation like Disney, they have art, they had character art, they had things called maquettes, these little statues, wow. and you would have artists coming in trying to get inspiration for products that they were creating for these feature animated films or the films that they were doing. And that was really fun. That's the kind of thing that you get when you're a student, that I try to tell people who are in library school, just try to do as many internships as you can. Because Unless you work full-time. <laughs> Hmm?
1: unless you work full-time unless you so work hard. full-time yeah
0: but you're already working so you get that experience like there are a lot of people who come to library school and they haven't really worked yet so yeah that's kind of how it all started and then uh, i moved back to north carolina after library school oh really and my uh, i got married and moved to north carolina my husband got a scholarship to go to law school wow and I got a job at the public library downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and working in an urban public library as an archivist is really fascinating because your job is to capture the local community history, yeah. and you do genealogy, which is, you know, family history. Mm-hmm. And as a young person, it's interesting because you usually work with older people, and they don't, um, I think younger people don't always realize there are a lot of family and cultural histories that influence who we are and that's why I think genealogy is so cool. And then I um, got a job at Wake Forest University and there I was working in the archives. From there, my my husband and I were kind of not sure what we wanted to do and decided we really wanted to come back to California. It's a lot of, uh, LA has a lot to offer in terms of like the vibrance, the culture, the diversity, we really wanted that back. So I started looking for jobs and was lucky enough to get this opportunity at UC Irvine. So I started last week. Now you're an ant-eater.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Zot, zot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it.
1: I never leave. I've been here 11 years. You're gonna (laughs) like uh, being an ant-eater.
0: (laughs) I already do. I think it's a really beautiful place and what I'm interested in is representing the multiple voices on campus that tell the history of this university. Obviously, the official records of the university, the architectural drawings and renderings and ideas, the visions and plans are important, the president's papers and things like that. But the student voices, the student organizations, they turn over so quickly that you really want to try to capture that. Because those are the memories people have, and that really tells the story of this university.
1: I had to look at the cross-cultural centers papers in the archives for a project for library school for archiving. They were like, go through the minutes and the conference meetings and the flyers. And then it was crazy to see like in the 70s they were offering like like, a potluck for 70 cents or something <laughs> and the flyers were all like disco. I don't know. It's <laughs> like, this was UCI in the 70s in the cross-cultural and the Cross Cultural Center. It's just when all those groups started forming. Yeah. And I was like, this is interesting. And their budget, you could see their budget, and you're like, wow, they had only this much money to do stuff, and now we're getting the two huge acts. Like, I'm sure there's archives for ASUCI as well, the Mm -hmm. student.
0: Absolutely. We do have student records, you know, and those official records are really important, too. And those are actually, they tend to be easier to get. I mean, I I would say as we're looking towards the future, it will be harder because these student groups and, and people in general are creating their records digitally and they're storing them on hard drives or on, you know, servers somewhere, and we won't be getting a box of papers as often as we used to. We'll be getting a laptop or some USBs or, you know, maybe in the future we'll get access to someone's server space and we can just copy it. But the archivist will still have an important role to play in terms of preservation, and more importantly, I think, in description. Because if you think about what we're all creating. We're all documenting our lives digitally more and more. We all, you know, I don't know if any. You might remember when you were a kid how expensive a digital camera was, or how expensive USBs were, and how, you know, they got bigger and bigger and cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so we're documenting things more than ever, but not necessarily describing them or organizing them the way we may have before. So we see yes. a lot of stuff being created, but as an archivist. Um, archivists everywhere are kind of concerned that we might be at a risk of what they're calling the digital dark ages, that someday our grandchildren are going to be like wondering what happened to all the things we created, all the memories we created, if we didn't back them up or store them in a place or think about preserving them, but particularly thinking about describing them. Because, you know, if you go to Google Books, they have, you can search the full text of books. This is a revolutionary concept to look up a specific idea and it will tell you which page it's on but the problem that you will face is if you're searching across photographs that aren't described you're still going to have to look at every single one so trying to get better description of the paper and uh, the things we're creating the documents we're creating the records of photos music even description i think is the key so think about when you're creating stuff um what are the archives going to look at look like in the future You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's our digital future. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely, yeah. And, you know, even in archives today, what we're getting, never mind the stuff that we'll be getting, the more lap, I mean, I have a collection right now, we have a few collections that, we actually just got one today. We got um, 15 hours of digital footage for the Emmy Award-winning documentary, Bolin Now 52, about the um, boat people who were stranded. And it's a very powerful document, and we have the footage from that now, but it's all in QuickTime Mm. format, so we're trying to figure out already how we're going to start describing it and making it available to people. Um, So, But we we have things like VHS cassettes and audio cassettes and things called U-matics and, you know, beta tapes, all these different media that at the time were, you know, top-of-the-line technology. Someday, you know, let's think... I had 50 years or 100 years when our our descendants are looking at our stuff in the attic and they find a box with a USB or a CD-ROM in it and it says, has a piece of paper wrapped around it that says, this has everything about my will in it or something. How are they going to open it? Yeah. You know, that's what archivists are kind of, we're excited and scared to think about because people create things differently now. So Yeah. It
1: reminds me of a scene of a movie, I forget which movie, but oh I think it was Zoolander when he's like, The files are in the computer <laughs> and they were like, Really? And then the model drops the computer he on the to ground to open it, it inside. <laughs> and
0: they're
1: like, No, turn it on
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's really true. I mean those the media that holds it and that's you know, people are interested in cloud storage and you know, I think that's a really good option. I think there's still similar risk for loss, though. I mean, you really want to back up things in multiple places. One of my coworkers was just telling me that um, they left a window open in their house, and someone opened the window and broke in and stole their laptop and stuff like that. You know, and I was thinking, I have a hard drive. I have an external hard drive to back up my stuff, but if those things got stolen, that's not it doesn't matter. You know, so backing it up is so very important, but. I'm really curious to know how archives will look in the future. But we we still get really interesting paper and, you know, physical things. Like we uh, just acquired the papers, some part of the papers of a woman named Irene Salter, and she was an early Hollywood fashion designer. Mm-hmm. We have some of her fashion illustrations and watercolors that show the costume design for films. And then she's also credited with creating or coming up with the idea of women's separates. So, you know, the pants and skirts and coordinating outfits, kind of that idea of buying them as a set. She was credited with creating that. It includes, like, fabric samples, which I think would be really interesting to, you know, fashion and costume and drama uh, researchers and scholars. So... We also have at the uh, University Archives we have the Southeast Asian Archives which seeks to document the uh, immigrant and refugee communities from Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. So I'm really proud to be part of it because I think that at UC Irvine and Special Collections and Archives we are trying to get the, in, be inclusive of multiple perspectives. And
1: Do you go to the faculty and to the classes?
0: and
1: the grad students and say look what we have because if they don't come to
0: you yes yeah Uh, actually uh, Steve is our public services librarian and he goes to class he's really involved with the humanities core so the students some of the students have to write a paper about something from the archives but what they'll often do is bring a class to the archives and pull things out of the archives that are relevant to that class we had a dance class come in and they had some uh, ballerina shoes from uh, an early ballerina and um, just interesting dance archive material. And so that kind of puts it into perspective for some of these students to see something that means something to their research area. Yeah, because it's hard to say, we have all this historic material, but well, what, what is relevant to you? That's the hard thing. So I, do, I think that's definitely a direction that archives are going in more, um, about the description and about creating more access. That's something that's always been very interesting to me because I think in the past, a lot of archives were just trying to keep stuff safe and hold it all in and make sure it wasn't getting lost somewhere. But now, really, um, our goal should be, I think. Access. Access, yeah, so that people can see the value of it because these things are very relevant to us today. They tell us a story of who we are. They're evidence of things that have happened, and they, they help people recognize or create identity.
1: And that's why you guys have exhibits, too, and you can be curating, con- um, continuously changing exhibits. So it's like a museum archive. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. We like to have exhibits because it kind of helps us highlight some of the things that we receive. And I'm still learning about the collections myself. You know, we have regional collections from Orange County.
1: Yeah, I saw a surfing exhibit with the Yeah, history.
0: yeah. It's it's a real variety of material, and the visual stuff is interesting, but like you were saying before, the paper material helps you see, you know, what was happening over time in organizations and student groups and, you know, like this, um, what's going on with the Irvine 11 uh, situation was interesting to me as an archivist because I see and heard a lot of different media outlets discussing it, but also students and people in the community were discussing it on Twitter, on Facebook. There's these, you know, support groups, um, you know, like websites. How are we going to archive these in a way that, you know, 20, 30 years from now someone can say, what ended up happening? What were people saying? What was the perspective of people? And how did it change over time? You know? I heard a couple years ago, Library of Congress
1: is going to start archiving Twitter.
0: Yes, yeah, they are. And um, and that archiving all of those tweets, however millions, billions there are, would only take up a little bit of space on a physical
1: server, you know? because just to see what the people were talking about during right. a certain event, like
0: earthquake. Right. And archives, I think, because they have that type, those type of um, just the vast amount of electronic stuff, we'll be getting more and more born digital records, is what we call them. Things like tweets or, you know, data sets or, you know, people, when you make a Word document and you're writing for your paper... You may not save a, a draft of it, but you might have lots of files you may have trashed in the past on your computer. So as an ar- as archivist, I think I would be less interested in organizing it. I'd be more interested in finding ways to create patterns. I think there are a lot of scholars right now interested in these data visualizations and observing patterns. So like when, you know, I was talking about the Google Books and how you can search across the words There's a way to show How a word was used over time How frequently it was used And things like that So, That's so cool I'm so excited we have got to have you on
1: Unfortunately there's only three minutes left till the top of the hour Wow! It goes by so fast Yeah definitely And you have a wordpress and a twitter And everybody should visit you in the fifth floor
0: Yeah Oh I was going to say I forgot yeah. Anybody who's interested in being a librarian Just go to your library, whatever kind of library you're interested in, and just sit down with one. Ask them about what they do. Ask them how you get involved. Find out what it takes. And there are a lot of books. Uh, one of my friends from Wake Forest wrote a book called So You Want to Be a Librarian. Oh, and uh, her name's Lauren Presley. And it's a really good book because she interviewed librarians about what they do day to day. There's also a blog for called Library Day in the Life or librarians tweet about what they're doing, and they blog about it.
1: There's also this radio show, so check out the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Ziva.kusi.org, but every Friday, 4.30 to 5, librarians and archivists around the world talk about the future of our information spaces, the digital future. So I'm so glad we had today. Our guest was the UCI Library Special Collections and Archives archivist. Brand new second week here? Yeah. And you, welcome back to the West Coast. Thank you. East Coaster. We have Audra eagle Yan, right? <laughs> and then you and Yun <laughs> and, and you went to UCLA, so that's where your library education is from. Yeah. So you are more West Coast. You went through all the L.A. time stuff, so.
0: Thank so you for having friends.
1: me. Yeah, thank you for coming, and I hope we can talk again in the future. We're both ant-eaters for life now. <laughs> So stay tuned for more great public affairs on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.
0: In mind a second try.